Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that looks at television, pop culture, weeks-long France festivals, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I am Shannon Miller, the Creative Inclusion Editor here at Adweek, and today we are talking all things Can Lion. It is coming very, very quickly, um, quicker than any of us really prepared for. So today we are just going to talk about the first in-person event in a few years. Um, joining me today is not our international editor, David Greiner. He is on a well-deserved vacation. Instead, I am joined by our amazing European team. Well, two members of our amazing European team. I am joined by the Europe creative editor, Brittany Kiefer. Hello, Brittany. Hi, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Of course. Glad to have you back. And for the first time, for me at least, I get to chat with our Europe brand editor, Rebecca Stewart. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, Shannon. I am really excited to talk about uh, Can today. It has been um, a whirlwind for what feels like months. <laughs> I don't know what the planning period has felt like. Um, I blinked and we were suddenly a week and a half out. So what has the prep been like for you ladies? Like, how are you feeling now that we're so close to the big event? I feel like my inbox has filled up so fast in the past <laughs> seven days. With lots yeah, of mine too. And news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my poor inbox is not surviving this. It just isn't. <laughs> I have tried my best to um, get it back to zero, and it's just a pointless, pointless endeavor. So I will just <laughs> wait until I come back, and then we can get back to our regularly scheduled communication. But it's it's booming for a good reason. We are returning to an in-person festival what for the first time in two years. It's it's kind of wild to wrap our minds around, but it's also a little bit exciting because I, as a person who experienced this virtually for the first time last year, um, I imagine that the energy is like a million fold in person. So definitely really want, want to talk about what people can expect coming back to an in-person event after so long. Um, so Brittany, were you at the last can that was in person? Yeah, I was. I've been several times. So the last in-person one was in 2019. 
And at the time, I remember a lot of people kind of cynically saying that can was over, like it kind of lost its appeal for a lot of people um, saying like the tech companies had taken over. It wasn't so much about creativity anymore. But I found that this year, a lot of people were kind of deciding later to go. I think it was kind of like wait and go for some people because of the COVID situation and other Mm -hmm. factors. And now it seems that it's kind of back and bigger than ever. Like a lot of people are really eager to return, but also realizing that it is going to be like the event to be at this year for the industry. And so I think it's going to be just a huge coming together of people who haven't caught up in person in a few years. Mm -hmm. I know that um, safety has been like a huge talking point for this particular event, because like you said, uh, it's not necessarily that COVID is over. It just seems like we're finding ways to sort of work around this sort of lingering pandemic. So Mm -hmm. the question on a lot of people's minds, whether they are going or not attending is how can we expect to navigate such a huge, huge event safely. Um, Rebecca, I'm wondering what your thoughts are in terms of what, how we can possibly navigate such, you know, this larger than life event while we're still trying to keep ourselves personally safe. Do you feel like there's going, there are going to be more challenges than triumphs or what's your, your take? Mm -hmm. I think it will be a mix. I think there will be some challenges and I think we'll see kind of agencies and brands and businesses that are going take their own approach. Um, But I know that the Canline organisers, this is a big issue for them and they've kind of published um, some stuff on the website around it in the past few weeks around keeping people safe. Um, And Stephen Lepetak, our Europe chief, wrote a piece earlier this week about how much the Cannes Tourism Board has invested in the city Mm -hmm. um, and the run-up to the event. So they've invested around one million and a big part of that has been around kind of renovating the Gazette and also safety from a perspective of increasing policing and CCTV presence. So I think safety is top of mind for organisers in terms of, you know, personal well-being and kind of COVID safety and keeping staff safe. From what I gather, every agency has been thinking about it and they all have different policies and and things going on internally. So it's definitely on people's mind. Uh, Stephen's piece is really in-depth and offers a lot of insight that I didn't really consider um, as I prepare to head over to France. Um, In terms of the design, there seems to be a lot of thought put into design design right down to these huge, huge potted plants Mm -hmm. that are strategically placed um, around the venue, not just for aesthetic, but to prevent um, certain acts of violence, which has also been a little bit of a concern since everyone last convened in 2019. So it seems like there is a lot of thought and ingenuity in terms of keeping folks safe. And one thing that I thought uh, was great was that they've allowed uh, each sort of company or anyone that is in charge of activations to sort of determine their own comfort level. Like there are certain events that you have to show your vac- your proof of vaccination, and then there are others where you don't. Masks aren't required, but there are certain um, houses that will provide masks when you pro- when you arrive. So there seems to be sort of this looming understanding that there's so- still something that we have to protect ourselves from. 
which offers me a small bit of comfort as a person who does not leave my apartment and double masks everywhere I go. So <laughs> it's it'll be interesting to see how everybody else navigates that, especially outside of the U.S., because um, as we know, everyone's response has been very, very different from each other. So um, that is a pretty interesting and sort of exciting aspect of that. Um, and also there is just the the excitement of seeing everybody. I mean, virtual is great. I think that we can all agree that it sort of keeps us safe and allows us to still stay connected, but there still is nothing like having that in-person interaction, um, mm. especially when you are dealing with creativity. Um, it's just good to be able to be face-to-face with the people responsible for the work that we've been talking about all year. Definitely. Um, speaking of the work that we've been talking about all year, there's been a lot of questions about who we expect the big winners to be. And I find this year to be very complicated. <laughs> I don't know about you ladies. Uh, Brittany, I, you wrote about the biggest, uh, I would say like the, the biggest effort, creative effort of the year is the lost class. Yeah, I think that's the one that everyone universally agrees that's going to win something big, if not multiple awards at Cannes. It recently won two black pencils at DNAD, which is sometimes an indicator of what's going to win at Cannes as well. So I think we'll definitely see that pick up some awards. It was shortlisted just today for for the Titanium Alliance. But for those who haven't seen it, um, it it came out last year. It was created by Leo Burnett Chicago for Change the Ref, which is an anti-gun violence organization. And they staged a fake graduation ceremony for the over 3,000 students who would have graduated in 2021 if it hadn't been for gun violence. And they invited... um, members of the NRA or former members of the NRA to come in and speak at the graduation ceremony and ended up being this really striking and moving representation of this movement to end gun violence in America, which is sadly even more timely now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I did hear, I don't know if this will happen, but they, Leo Burnett was trying to get the the leaders of Change the Ref, which were founded by parents of the um, Parkland High shooting, um, to actually come to Cannes and accept the award on stage if they receive one. So that could be really powerful. I think that's something to look out for. Do you think that the, I know that you're both in Europe, um, but Brittany, you're pretty tapped into US news. Do you feel like the surge in gun violence in the US is going to bring a fresh bout of encouragement for judges? How Do you think that there's going to be any sort of correlation there? Absolutely. I think it's very top of mind for people, even if you're not in the U.S. or American by origin, that this is an issue that's covered internationally that people are really um, invested in. And I think we're going to see judges take even more of an interest in this work since the events of the past few weeks. So, and I definitely agree. So what makes this so complicated is its sort of mode of eligibility when it comes to Grand Prix. Because of it being a nonprofit, it doesn't qualify for most of the major awards. And yet it <laughs> seems to be the one uh, campaign that everyone's talking about. So it feels like there's a little bit of a void 
when it comes to like who the clear winner is. Like it's not exactly a womb stories where, you know, that was kind of like what was going to be the front runner from jump. We all kind of like called that, but now it's like, there's still this void there. So Rebecca, uh, what do you feel has a good chance of sort of filling that void? Yeah, it's hard to say. I do think, you know, kind of echoing a little bit of what Britt said, that the purpose-driven stuff is still going to be quite big um, at Cannes, even despite, you know, all the debate around, you know, brands wading into purpose and are they authentic questions around that. I think the purpose-driven stuff will still be big. Um, The Titanium Lions shortlist and the Innovation Lions shortlist came out today and one of the campaigns nominated is Long Live the Prince, which was a campaign um, by Engine for EA Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about helping young people who are at risk of knife crime. So I think, yeah, maybe that could fill the gap. There's there's a few other kind of purpose-driven nominations in there as well. So, yeah, there, there's a few things. But as you say, Shannon, it was tricky to find stuff that, that's really stood out creatively from, from the past 12 months. Yeah. And there's been this sort of like longstanding debate of the validity of uh, work that sits outside of that purpose-driven sort of wave because mm-hmm. we we talk about a lot about how brands brands can authentically tap into sort of the needs of the world, how they can address sustainability, how they can address gun violence and um, sort of uh, gay rights and reproductive rights. But there's also this the other end of the spectrum when it comes to marketing, the stuff that is just entertaining and innovative mm-hmm. and visually uh, fun and funny, but it doesn't seem to grab as much attention in the award circuit as the the purpose-driven stuff. Do you think we're any closer to finding any sort of balance with that? I think even the the big commercial brands that we'll see win this year, a lot of that work also has like this purpose-driven element. Mm-hmm. So for example, I saw that Coors Light's Chillboards campaign was shortlisted. And I really liked that one, actually. I wrote about it recently, but for those who didn't see it, it was Coors Light was wrecking they got a you know they had this brief out to uh continue their you know chill tagline and their whole (laughs) ethos and they were aware that heat waves are on the rise around the world because of climate change and so they created and they piloted this program in miami where they took over these roofs that were black and painted it with this reflective white paint so -hmm. the branding was very minimal but actually helped cool down the buildings and it's something they're rolling out around the world so it's a big brand like coors light but it also has this purpose behind it and i think that's what really catches people's attention and jury's attention but at the same time over the past few years there's been a backlash against that because there have been notoriously some scam campaigns that mm-hmm. won it can that mm-hmm. didn't actually run in the real world they were just trying to win awards and that really invalidates like everything this industry does it can be both it can drive sales and do good but there's a real frustration and i think cynicism with that kind of work when it's not genuine. You know, I'm not pro scam. I should <laughs> I should say that, but I just feel like that's such a waste of resources for a scam that ultimately results in an award. Like <laughs> I don't I just 
I just feel like there are more wor- worthy scams to run than creating <laughs> a fake ad for a real trophy. That is all I'm yeah. going to say. <laughs> just, so that is that is really interesting, and it's and that's really hard to to catch in sort of real time like if you see an ad and it's in the world you just sort of assume that it's genuine because who goes through the effort of creating all of this for this one moment but it it does point to a little bit of a frustration and it also points to sort of an argument that people make about cans there's sort of this understanding of there's this ongoing argument of whether or not cans is still relevant Hmm. Obviously, if you're taking the time to craft a phony project to win an award, I imagine that points to some relevance. So I guess there's that silver lining if we want yeah. to call it I that. think jurors are quite savvy to it, though. Like, I've mm-hmm. heard that that's always a big debate in jury rooms now, whether it actually ran in the real world. So hopefully we'll see less of it this year. But I think also... There are so many big problems in the world that obviously the creative industries want to use their talents to address those. And that's why Mm -hmm. I think it often resonates the most at award shows. Mm. And I think um, one of the big six themes for Can Lion this year, you know, organizers like launched a bunch of themes a couple of weeks ago. There's things like sustainability, diversity and inclusion, talent and learning, but one of them is creative effectiveness. So Mm. I wonder if in the judging rooms that will be a bigger point of discussion, um, you know, around how the efficacy of a campaign rather than just the kind of craft um, or the the big underlying message. I wonder if creative effectiveness will will be a bigger sticking point for Judy's this year. And yeah, Mm. we might then see less of that kind of scam or phony work being awarded. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So as we kind of wade through the different layers of purpose-driven work, what do you guys think will be sort of the the top of mind conversation this year? I think one of them will be sustainability because um, I went to an event in London several weeks ago that was kind of like a preview for what would come uh, be talked about at Cannes. It was hosted by Cannes. Um, and one thing they said was, this is going to be our most sustainable event ever. And in the past couple years, obviously, that's become an even bigger issue. And so I think the scrutiny on that will be quite high. I don't know if their claim will be true. But I think it will definitely be something that people are paying attention to, even people who aren't there 
because it's it can appear kind of out of sync with the rest of the world if if that's not you know a big concern there mm. what would you say rebecca um, i think diversity you know quality and inclusion will will be a huge thing and kind of holding a mirror up to the ad industry and and just seeing if they followed through on the promises they made a couple of years ago, you know, there's always so many big announcements at Cannes from huge brands, from, you know, Unilever to Pepsi and beyond around how they're going to improve, you know, diversity, not just in the representation uh, within their ads, but also within their own creative teams and their agencies. And I do wonder if that will, you know, crop up quite a bit this year, you know, as we're reflecting back, you know, have agencies and brands achieved this? I think that's definitely going to be sort of an interesting, not a pivot, because I feel like in past uh, past events that it has been a topic. But the different the, the differentiation this year is that so much has happened since so much has happened since twenty nineteen. Yeah, so it's like we we've really blown past the sort of one hundred and one. Uh, level conversations about diversity. Now it's a matter of like, okay, so we know what to do. Are we actually doing it? So that follow-up, it seems like it's going to be a running theme through throughout the festival of here's what we said was going to happen at twenty in 2020 when we were stuck at home. Now we're in person mm-hmm. and the world is attempting to move forward in some way. Have we learned anything? And are we actually mm-hmm. applying these things? So it will be interesting to see what the take is. I feel like I have my own perspective on that. So I wonder if it's going to sort of match up with the rest of the industry as we sort of converge to talk about it. Um, So we've talked about the sort of big winner slash not quite a qualifying winner, plus uh, the one that will sort of come from behind. To sort of close this out, what do you think is going to be a surprise standout this year? Ooh. You know, I think that we might see Channel 4 pick up some awards for their latest Paralympics campaign. Mm. I don't know how surprising that is, but I don't know if it was maybe not given as much of a spotlight because it kind of came out, you know, in a in a weird time in the world, but... They, their latest Paralympics campaign, which has won lots of awards before, you know, in its previous iterations, um, is a, was it continues the superhumans theme, but with more of an emphasis on the humans, mm-hmm. which kind of reflects the the changing discussion and awareness about uh, disability in the world. And so I think I hope that that wins some awards. And, and, and in parallel to that, the International Paralympic Committee's we the 15 campaign was really powerful. Mm-hmm. So we might see some lines go in that direction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What about you, Rebecca? Uh, yeah, I think, um, Shannon, you can probably talk about this campaign a bit um, better and more broadly than I can, but the EOS campaign, mm-hmm. the Bless Your F and Cooch, which was quite fun. I wonder, <laughs> we'll can see I talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've written so much on it. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I won't relitigate my, my feelings on that one because I've talked. I will spare the audience at home another long chat about um, my feelings on that campaign because I really loved it. But it's <laughs> it was interesting to sort of see that come up in the conversation. Yeah, and I think you know it's been on a few kind of can prediction lists, and yeah, we could see it win big. Not just because the creative idea is fun and a bit different, but just the way it was executed. You know, mostly on TikTok. Um, 
yeah, and more broadly, I wonder we'll see more TikTok kind of viral campaigns winning out a can this year and separately more metaverse campaigns. You know, there's a new kind of like level of marketing. Oh, gosh. That- <laughs> <laughs> the collective apprehension. We made it almost one episode without having to talk about the metaverse, no. but it's it's, it's, it's apt. That's going to be a big theme in Cannes this year. I've noticed quite a few campaigns come out in the weeks and months leading up to Cannes that were about making the metaverse more accessible and inclusive. My question is just have those brands become accessible and inclusive in the real world first. Like that Mm -hmm. seems like a bigger priority, but I think we're going to see that (laughs) in the Cannes this year. Yeah, there's, of course, the the metaverse and Web3 and NFTs has become sort of this hovering conversation over the past year. And it's been a lot to process stateside. So to process it on an international <laughs> level, so it's, just, <laughs> it's a lot. I'm, I'm not close off to any of it. I really am not. It's just no one has has yet to explain any of this to me in a way that is tangible and accessible. (laughs) I want to understand. I deeply want to understand. I just need someone to tell me something other than it's the future. It's what's, it's what's happening. It's, it's the future. Maybe Khan is the place, Shannon, for your Mexican. Maybe, (laughs) maybe it's a safe space for me to finally understand. I, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of see what work, um, will sort of catch the attention. I imagine Burberry is going to get a lot of love for open spaces. Mm. I mean, it's... Love that film. It, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I had to watch it twice to be like, do I like this? And mm. then by the fifth time, I was like, I, I actually love this. I really yeah. do. It's a really lovely vir- uh, visual feat. So I see some craft love coming um, out of this. And it has been a lot of, there has been a lot of talk about it. Also, surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, it's a good campaign, but um, the Heinz Draw Ketchup campaign, where folks were asked to just draw a bottle of ketchup and everyone automatically drew a Heinz bottle, was a very clever um, look at brand awareness and brand mm, like impact, that. except for one person who I think drew like a mustard bottle. Um, <laughs> so I hope they're doing okay. <laughs> but it, it, was, it was it was interesting. It was it was definitely like an interesting look at just um, a brand's long longevity. I I promise I haven't had rosé yet. I am saving that for France. Um, and and yeah, I, I hope. In general, in terms of like agency wins, I hope Mischief see some love, um, especially with Bless Your Effing Cooch and a lot of the interesting work that they've put out over the past year. I've talked about it a lot um, during Agency of the Year and just in general about how resonant uh, Mischief at No Fixed Address work is. So not to provide too much of a, a bias, I hope everyone does well, but I really do hope they win big and get some recognition. Um, so... Yeah. Any any final thoughts? Any final shout outs? What do you hope to see when you go over there? I don't know if it's what I hope to see, but what I'm interested to see, <laughs> a few <laughs> years ago um, at Cannes, there was a kind of ad tech revolution where all the yachts um, were owned by, suddenly owned by ad tech companies. You know, it was previously big media owners that, that had these yachts and then 
changed kind of almost overnight and that was kind of billed as a revolution and this year I wonder we're going to see you know metaverse agency yachts web3 kind of taking over that space that ad tech dominated it's not maybe what I want to see but yeah maybe something <laughs> could emerge um and yeah TikTok is official partner this year and I think that's going to be interesting to see like how it sparks conversations among marketers and and what they kind of make of its presence at the festival. Interesting. It'll be interesting to actually physically board a Web3 owned boat. So (laughs) we'll see what that is. Uh, Brittany, what about you? What do you hope to see? Whether it's work or fun, what do you hope to experience when you go over there? I hope that the industry does have some fun, but also that it, doesn't make empty promises like there's always part of me as I'm sure you guys feel as well it's a bit uneasy being there sometimes like it just feels kind of surreal and like gratuitous sometimes like why are we all here when there's so much going on in the world that needs to be fixed Mm -hmm. so I hope that it's productive as well and like this is a, a place where the most powerful people in the industry are coming together like let's Let's make some real change and make decisions that are going to change something. Perfect. I agree. It's definitely the best way that you can show brand purpose isn't through necessarily your creative, but what you do outside of that, what you do when nobody's looking and Mm -hmm. what your plans are beyond what is going to ultimately bring you glory. So it'll be great to see some conversations around that about what brands can actually do to sort of move the needle especially when like everything's threatened right now, our personal safety, Mm -hmm. reproductive rights, um, our earth. So I would love to be able to connect with brands and agencies on what they plan on doing beyond their creative work. Um, And speaking of which, there will be plenty of opportunities to connect with us um, and the rest of the ad week team that will be at Cannes because we have um, we will have a, quite a big showing this year um, at week. It will definitely be abroad with a huge suite of activations or rather panels and discussions. Um, we're connecting with uh, agency Whaler on a few things. There are definitely a lot of opportunities to be able to connect with the ad week team. So if you will be in France in the next uh, week and a half, please make sure to check out everything that we have planned on adweek.com and to RSVP so that you can actually interact with us in person and have a little fun with all of that work that we will be reviewing and hopefully setting forth. So yeah, that is my official plea to everyone at home. Chat with us kindly. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot thank um, both of you enough for being able to join us today. Thank you so much, Brittany and Rebecca. And I know that we were all going to be very connected to our computers while we were over there. So best of luck. With yeah. all of that. Godspeed. I can't wait to see you in person, though. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And I, I, plan to be 75% professional. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like that's a, that's a good balance, I feel. So yeah, I'm really excited to connect with you both and everyone overseas. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino 
and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcast. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.